Welcome to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We put knowledge and care within reach so you have everything you need to live your life to the fullest. This episode is sponsored by UM Capital Region Health, the largest healthcare provider in Prince George's County, dedicated to enhancing the health and wellness of the community by providing high quality, accessible patient care. UM Capital Region Health, changing up healthcare in Prince George's County. Today, we're talking about when it's time to see a GYN specialist. I'm your host, Maggie McKay. Joining me today is Dr. Brianna Walton, urogynecologist at UM Capital Region Health. Welcome, doctor. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Maggie. I appreciate you having me. What an interesting topic. Doctor, what is a GYN specialist and how do we know when we need to see one? Well, as you mentioned, I'm a urogynecologist, and so I deal with what I usually describe as the bees, the bladder issues, bowel issues, and the bulging issues below the belt. But there are other GYN specialties that I should mention just quickly. So minimally invasive GYN surgery really deals with women who are going to have some sort of surgical intervention and don't want to have a large incision. We also have a subspecialty for women who are unfortunately dealing with cancer, so a GYN oncologist. And if women are having problems with pregnancy, a reproductive endocrinologist. So those are the subspecialties of gynecology. And your question was, was, when should a woman see one of us? Well, I think it really depends on her symptoms. It depends on the comfort level of her referring gynecologist. It depends on availability. Not every city location has a specialist. One of the advantages of telemedicine now is that most of us are accessible through that portal. And so we can be reached even if someone is in another city or state. Great. Pap smears were once recommended annually, but more recently, the CDC advises having a pap smear once every three years. Which advice is correct? Megan, that's a great question. I get that a lot for women, uh, a lot from family members. Like, why is it three years now? Is it just that they don't want to see us anymore? It's based on the science. And one of the things that we've seen over time, so from my training back in the 80s, we were doing annual pap smears because the accuracy of a pap smear was limited. How well you could detect the disease and or rule out cancer was somewhere between 50% to 90%. And so you had to do annual screenings in order to figure it out. It's like taking a photograph instead of shooting a video. You only get a snapshot of what was going on inside of the vagina and the cervix. When you look at the newer testing and you add to it the ability to detect HPV, human papillomavirus, which is a virus that changes the cervix, into more prone, especially if you have a high-risk strain, the two of those together really reported out 99% screening sensitivity and specificity, meaning that they're really good at figuring out if you do have or you don't have the disease. So it becomes less necessary to do that part of your screening every single year. Is there any harm in doing it every year? Because I know some old school doctors are still doing it annually. I think there's no harm from the standpoint of risk. A lot of concern is if you're over screening, will you find something abnormal and then someone has to have more intervention related to it? Do they have to have a colposcopy, which is a microscope that you use to see the cervix better? 
well, they have to have a surgery because of it. And that doesn't usually bore out. The concern is that a lot of insurance companies now are not paying for annual pap smear screening. So there's out-of-pocket costs to the patient. So I think that's one of the things that we have to start considering in terms of our patients and the women we serve. Right. Well, other than having a pap smear, what are some other reasons why women should see a GYN specialist? You know, it's a great question. So I am a doctor and I went to med school, but I went to med school and I said, I know one thing, I don't want to be an OBGYN because I'm going to be doing pap smears all day long. (laughs) So it's just like, you know, you come in with this concept in your head of what a gynecologist is, but we deal with so much more. Women who have abnormal bleeding, women who have problems with discharge and infections and inflammation. There's more than 8 million women going to the ER or some sort of provider every single year because they have problems with discharge. Whether they have pelvic pain, if they need birth control, those are a number of issues for our general gynecologist. In my world, I mentioned urogynecology deals with the bees, so bladder issues. So if a woman is having urinary leakage, or she's going to the bathroom too often, or she can't urinate, or if it's coming out at inopportune times, or when she's jumping on the trampoline with her kids, those are reasons for her to see me. If she's having problems with her bowel control, or if there's a change in the anatomy, a lot of women after having a baby experience changes in their vaginal anatomy and they're uncomfortable. They're not feeling the way that they did prior to having their child. And they're wondering, what is it? What's going on? Why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between an OBGYN and a gynecologist? So an OBGYN really still does practice obstetrics, meaning the care of women who are trying to get pregnant or are pregnant, where gynecologists limit their practice to just taking care of women who are not going to have children or not having children at that time. And for many of the symptoms that we talked about before, they manage those problems. Okay. Generally speaking, Dr. Walton, what are some of the best ways to maintain a healthy reproductive system? Because it's so complicated. There's so much involved. I would agree. I think the advantage that we have today is that a lot of information is out there on the internet. And you don't hear a lot of doctors promoting go on the internet. But I think for (laughs) women who are curious about what's happening, I have had a number of patients, older women, who said, doctor, I felt this, I went on the internet, and I think I have this problem. And they're right. So the validation of what people are feeling and or complaining of is part of what we are supposed to do. So being curious, investigating, asking questions, I think that's the first line of defense for a woman to maintain health. And that is not apropos to her reproductive system, it's for anything. But I think they also need to ask more questions when they're in their provider's office about not just what do I do if I have a problem, how do I prevent problems from occurring? What do I do to help my kids make sure they don't get these problems? So I think asking more critical questions is a really important concept that we continue to encourage. I know every time I go to, not every time, but I try to remember to take a written list because I know once I get in there, I forget half of what I wanted to ask. (laughs) You know, it's just like, oh, and then I leave and I'm like, 
<laughs> You'll be uh-huh. happy to know, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can't hurt to be prepared, right? Dr. Walton, are there any other takeaways that you'd like to share with our audience that you think they need to know? Well, I think what you just said is really important. Come in with a list of questions because we are sometimes in the screening environment when those appointments are relatively short. You don't have a long time to address a lot of things. And so to be able to write down those questions so that your provider can answer them. And if sometimes they don't have time because of our portals and our electronic records, we can send information back to you in a protected environment where people can get sensitive questions answered. So I I would just say continue to be a good steward of your own space by asking really good questions about your body. And also maybe don't be embarrassed. I've heard people say they don't go to the gynecologist that often because they're just too embarrassed to ask certain questions. And I think, no, you have to go, right? You are so right. You are so right. And I think that's my goal is when I come in a room, I'm trying to disarm somebody and make them feel so comfortable because I don't want them to feel like it's just an exam room. I want them to feel like it's a sacred space and they can say anything they want to. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Walton, for being here today and sharing your expertise. It's been so informative. Thank you very much, Maggie, for having me. Absolutely. That's Dr. Brianna Walton, urogynecologist at UM Capital Region Health. Find more shows like this one at umms.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We look forward to you joining us again. I'm Maggie McKay. Be well.